Oh God, you are the giver of all that is good. What is this we keep receiving from you? And from your bountiful heart, gift after gift after gift. Lord, if we need a cheerful, buoyant, winsome, positive reason to be contagious for our Master, this has to be one of them. Make it clear as we study together. In Holy Scripture, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I got it on the internet. Somebody sent it to me. My friend Jeannie Valenzuela. I have it right here. I think this is one of these forwarded, forwarded, forwards that you get and I get. Maybe you already got this. It's anonymous. No, no title to it. But you know, it makes its point. It's a bit of free verse and it makes its point, I think, uh, well enough. For us. And so I want to read it to you. In fact, I gave it a title. The Value of Time. We'll call this The Value of Time. To realize the value of ten years, ask a newly divorced couple. They know. Ten years. I can tell you. To realize the value of four years, ask a graduate. That works in a setting like this. To realize the value of one year, ask a student who has failed a final exam. I've got to take it the whole year over? Yeah. To realize the value of nine months, ask a mother who gave birth to a stillborn. To ask, to realize the value of one month, ask a mother who has given birth to a premature baby. I think a woman wrote this. I mean, if you'd asked a man the value of one month, he'd say, Ask a man who missed his car payment or something like that. To realize the value of one week, ask an editor of a weekly newspaper. I know what happens in a week. To realize the value of one hour, ask the lovers who are waiting to meet. Yeah. To realize the value of one minute, ask a person who has just missed the train, bus, or plane. Oh, been there and done that. Oh, just seconds. And they wouldn't open the door. Could have, but wouldn't. To realize the value of one second, ask a person who has survived an accident. This one second's difference. To realize the value, finally, of one millisecond, ask the person who has won a silver medal in the Olympics. Just one millisecond. Time waits for no one. Treasure every moment you have. You will treasure it even more when you can share it with someone special to realize the value of a friend. Lose one. Okay, question. Is this little piece of free verse, is it about the value of time or is it about the value of relationships? Answer, both. Both. You want to know what ten years is worth? Ask a, ask a divorced couple. You see, it is true, ladies and gentlemen, the value of time is established by the depth of the relationship. You want to ask, you want to know how much an hour is worth? Ask two lovers. You see, the value of time is established by the depth of the relationship. But you know, I I was amazed, intrigued. Maybe you caught this too. There is one segment of time that did not get into this bit of free verse. I mean, we have ten years, we have one year, we have one month, we have one week, we have one one hour, one second, even one millisecond, but something got left left off. Which was it? You're right, the day. How come? What about the day, sir? Mr. Anonymous? Where, where's the day? 
And so I want to add a line to this that it might now be corrected. I'll put it up on the screen. To realize the value of one day, ask the God who gave it. All right, let's find out. Open your Bible, please, to Genesis chapter 2, Contagious Reason number 2 today, which, by the way, has a whole lot to do with time and relationships. Open your Bible, please. Genesis chapter 2. And while you're opening your Bible, I want to say to those of you who are watching on television right now, you're saying, Contagious Reason number 2? I never even heard Contagious Reason number 1. Well, that was last week. You know what, my friend? Even though you're... And I'm delighted you are. Even though you're joining us today, at this moment, you can actually pick up the previous two studies. We've got a website. I'm going to put that website uh, address on the screen in just a moment, because what we're into right now is we're into a journey, how to share seven contagious, winsome, practical, attractive, any great adjective you can think of, reasons why you are what you are. And on our website, you can find it there. It's on the screen right now. Can you see it there? pmchurch.org. We're the Pioneer Memorial Church here in Berrien Springs, Michigan. Just click onto that website. The previous presentations are all there, as well as the study guides. In fact, if you go to that, if you go to the website right now while you're watching television and click on to that address, you'll have the study guide we're going to go through right now. In fact, let's do that. Let's turn to the study guide. It is in your worship bulletin today. Would you pull it out, please? Nice, attractive, gray piece of paper. And by the way, some of you came, three of you for one worship bulletin. And so our ushers right now are going to make sure that you get an extra copy. Just hold your hand up if you need an extra copy. There are, there are our ushers. Just keep your hand up. We'll make sure you get it. But let's fill this right out. We have that little bit of uh, free verse that we want to add to that Internet special. Let's put it on the screen to realize the value of one day. And I capitalize the word day, if that's okay with you. To realize the value of one day, ask the God who gave it. So write in day and then God and then gave it. All right. When did he give it? That's the big question. See, when did he give it? Let's find out. Open your Bible now, please, to Genesis 2. Have you gone back to the book of beginnings? Page 2 of your Bible. Not page 1. Genesis 1 is all about creation. We want to get to page two because Genesis two tells the story of the wrap up to creation. Genesis two. And while I'm finding it, I just want to remind you that what we're doing, you and I here and those of you watching uh, across the nation on television, is that we're, we're putting together some very contagious reasons. How you can share your faith in Jesus. Just simple. You're not going to get a whole mass of texts. Hundreds of texts have been left off. Today, I think we have five, is it five key texts that we have today? Now, please, please understand. Do I, do I have to say everything that you say to me across a restaurant table in order to be contagious? No, no, no. You, you will know from the situation. You will know from the circumstances. What we're doing is giving you enough so that you have, you feel buoyant. You say, oh, man, I, I can be cheerful about this. This is extremely positive. That's what we're doing. So, take notes. Take notes along with filling in the study guide and uh, you'll have it. Okay, Genesis 2. Enough of this. Let's, let's, let's get to Genesis 2. I'm in the New Revised Standard Version and I want to read in your hearing the first three verses. Genesis 2 verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. See, Genesis 1 is all about six days of creation. It's all over now. And all their multitude. Verse 2. And on the seventh day... 
God finished the work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So, verse 3, God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. Did you catch that there in verse 3? There are three actions just in verse 3 that God takes. Let's take a look at these three actions. Number one, he blessed the seventh day. Something, hey, what's up? I don't know, but something's very special about this day because if you read chapter 1, not a word about God, you know, putting a special blessing on day 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. But day 7 comes along and He blesses it. You know, the Old Testament is full of stories about dads who bless their children. It's kind of the dad's role back in the Old Testament times. We're New Testament now, so moms can do it as well. But when the dads, you know, they look into all these kids, they pull their kids out. They put their hands on top of that boy's head or that girl's head, and they pronounce a blessing from God. When you bless something, you're saying, oh, this, this is very precious. This is special to me. So, number one, he blessed the seventh day. Number two, notice this, he hallowed the seventh day. Now, in, in the Hebrew, it actually reads this way, he Holyized. You make it a verb. He holyized the seventh day. He made it holy. And actually, if you want to know what the meaning of holy is, H O L Y, just misspell it. Spell it this way on your notes. You want to jot this down. W H O L L Y. Holy. That's what holy means. When God gets close to anything and He touches it, it becomes like God is. God is never unholy. He's holy. And so when God touches it and he says, now you are holy. And he does that in the New Testament, by the way, of Christians. He said, hey, church, I have made you a holy people. That means you you're separate. You, you are you. You are holy mind. W.H.O.L.L.Y. So God, at the end of creation, he blessed the seventh day. He hallowed the seventh day. And notice this. Number three, he rested on the seventh day. God rested. I like that. In fact, the Hebrew reads, this is the actual Hebrew word. He shabbated. He shabbated on the seventh day. Because the word, the, the, the verb rest is Shabbat. And from whence comes a noun called Shabbat. And the noun is the word Sabbath. You have the word Sabbath right there. Coded with the word rest. You see, from the very beginning, rest has always been at the heart of the Sabbath. At the heart of the Sabbath is rest. And I'm going to tell you, I just blurted it out right now. That is the gloriously cheerful, winsome, buoyant, practical, positive reason why I am a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. Contagious reason number two we share today. And we're going to spend the next few moments on this, this shining truth about rest. Beautifully sung today. Beautifully, beautifully brought to us. Oh, but let's do our study guide before I forget. Let's, let's go to the study guide. We've got to make sure that we get this in and then we'll go on. Okay. Contagious reason number two. Would you write it in, please? The Sabbath is what? Rest. Write it in, please. Those two words. The Sabbath is rest. Now, my, my friends, I want to remind you. Last week, we shared contagious reason number one. I'm going to just check your memory. How many remember what contagious reason number one is? Jesus is, call it out to me. Jesus is Lord. Please understand, that is always the contagious reason you share first. You never share number two first. You share number two second. That's why the title of our study today is Seventh Things. That would be the seventh day. Seventh Things Come Second. 
First things first, contagious reason number one. Seven things come second, contagious reason number two. All right, but we need to, we need to fill, it, fill out the rest of this here, this little section. Three actions of God on the seventh day, just as a review. Let's put them up so you can jot them down in your study guide. Number one, he... Oh, my PowerPoint man is reminding me I forgot to tell you to put in, please, the verses. Genesis 2, 1 to 3. Because if you took your study guide and it's blank, you wouldn't have that. So please jot in our key text number one, Genesis 2, 1 to 3. He's very unsubtle with his hints sometimes. And I get it. All right, now let's go to the three actions of God on the seventh day in Genesis 2, 3. Number one, what did he do? Bless, jot it down. Number two, what did he do? Hallowed. And number three, he rested. Make sure you get those three. I believe we have one more line. Yep. The word Sabbath slash, and we put the Hebrew word there, Shabbat. You can see that the word is, our English word is a direct transliteration from the Hebrew. Shabbat. The word Sabbath means, what does it mean? Ah, it means rest. Ah, make sure you get that. It means rest. And in fact, can you name a person in this world? No, no, quiz time. Can you name me one person in this world who today is not tired and who would not love to have some rest? I tell you what, as Americans, we are the tiredest people on earth, are we not? What is the problem with us? My friend Ken McFarlane, a wonderful writer, he wrote a piece in the February edition of a magazine called Signs of the Times. Oh, I tell you what, I have to read this to you. I'm going to get tired just reading it to you because of the, t- well, the title of the piece, Life on Fast Forward. And I think that says it all. Life on Fast Forward. Let me just read to you. Does this sound like you at all? Okay, here we go. Ken McFarland, you have, you have only a half hour lunch break and you're washing down some crackers with a can of soda as you push through maddeningly slow city traffic on your way to have your metal on metal brakes checked at the repair shop down the street. Let's see now. You have a committee meeting at 1 p.m. You have a blizzard of phone calls to return and two carved in stone deadlines to meet before you stagger home late with a cram full briefcase to a family you hardly see anymore at a house in a yard begging for your attention. Your to-do list is longer than the white pages. You're a a walking zombie from lack of sleep, and you haven't had time in ages to balance your checkbook or pay all your past due bills. Sound familiar? Welcome, he writes, to the biggest club on earth, the fraternity of the overloaded, the sorority of the stressed out, the legions of the overwhelmed with too much to do and not enough time to do it. The fellowship of those who must do more and do it faster just to run in place on a steadily accelerating treadmill. Welcome to a society fueled by caffeine and adrenaline. Welcome to life on permanent fast forward. See, right? Hey, he shares this. You won't believe this. In fact, take your study guide because we have this. This is such a wonderful quotation from U.S. News and World Report. I left some blanks in there for some statistics, so make sure you jot them in. Let's put the quotation on the screen. Each weekday night, Americans, get this. All right, now look, we have 100 nations here. It may not be quite this bad in your nation, but the whole world is going into this groove. Each weekday night, Americans get an hour and six minutes less on average than the eight hours, right in the number eight, the eight hours that sleep experts recommend. Each weekend night, half an hour less. So that totals up to by the end of the year, we are short. 338 hours, which is the equivalent of two full weeks of rest. We are the great unslept somnambulating, which means sleepwalking through life on the verge of sleep bankruptcy. 
That was like half the campus of Andrews University. Sleepwalking. I mean, what is this? Yeah. I mean, we are worn out. We are worn out. Somebody came between services and said, Dwight, have you heard Alabama's song? You know who the group Alabama is? I won't tell you who this person is because that would... Then you know that she listens to country and western music, but... She said, I, I scribbled these words down for after listening to you in first church, and this is Alabama's song. I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush till life's no fun. All I got to do is live and die. I'm in, a hear, I'm in a hurry and don't know why. Go, Alabama. You've captured, you've captured the American psyche. We are worn out. In fact, I wanted you to get Ken's actual words here, not just U.S. News, but here's Ken McFarland writing on your study guide. Look at this. Let's read it. Look around you. Nearly everyone seems to be in a huge rush, walking fast, talking fast, eating fast. People race through the day at breakneck speed, repeatedly pressing elevator call buttons that are already lighted. Oh, you do that, don't you? Come on, come What is the problem with this? Why do we do that? Do you think the elevator changes its mind? Oh, ooh, ooh, you did it. I'll go faster. I'm sorry. I didn't know you were. I didn't know you were in a hurry. What is this? Finishing each other's sentences? Oh, boy. I didn't know, Karen. Impatient with even the fastest computers? Multitasking to get more done in less time, driven by what author Charles Hummel called the tyranny of the urgent. Get it done. Quick, 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 quick. Get it done. Get it done. Get it done. Folks, we are a frazzled, frenzied, frantic society today. Sophisticated as we are. In fact, he quotes from James Gleick's book, Faster, The Acceleration of Just About Everything. And I love this line. Instantaneity. Oh, that's a new word. Instantaneity rules. Instant coffee, instant intimacy, instant replay, and instant gratification. It is no wonder we are worn out. Enter then contagious reason number two. That's why I am so buoyant. I am so cheerful about this incredibly good news for the 21st century. By the way, you need to know that all the people you work with are ripe and ready for this bit of contagion. All your employees, all your, all your, all your colleagues, all your students, all your neighbors, all your friends, all your family, everybody you know living in the third millennium is ripe and ready for contagious reason number two. In fact, let's put that in our study guide just so that we don't miss a point. Pull out your study guide again. Put it up on the screen there. Our world, that's everybody. Our world is ripe and ready for the, put it in, very good news. You've got something wonderful to share when the time is right. You start with one, but you'll get to two. Uh, our world is ripe and ready for the very good news of God's gift of the seventh day Sabbath. Because, ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly what it is. It is a gift. Key text number two. You're only going to have to memorize five. Key text number two. The words of Jesus, the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. We might as well listen to Jesus very carefully because according to... You might want to jot this down in your study guide. According to John 1, Colossians 1, and Hebrews 1, all right? The first chapters of these three great books, John 1, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1, Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ who became Jesus, is the creator of the whole universe. So he was really the hero of Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3. We ought to listen to him. This is Mark chapter 2. Find Mark chapter 2. There it is. 
Oh, by the way, this is on a Sabbath. Jesus and his, his closest friends, his disciples, they've been walking through a Sabbath afternoon, glorious day. They've been walking through some goldenly grained fields. And, you know, the men, they haven't had lunch. They're hungry. Their stomachs are growling. And, and so they, they begin to rip off some of the husks and they just thresh it in their hands. Kind of eat, like eating raw peanuts, which doesn't sound appetizing at all, but they were hungry, so they're, they're, they're eating it. And some of Christ's critics, always dogging his heels, they're there. Oh, brother, you, you don't know the meaning of the Sabbath. You don't know it's a holy... Look at your man there working on this day. To which Jesus responds, verse 27, Mark 2, And Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind, and not humankind for the Sabbath. So... The Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Jesus chides his critics. Hey, guys, you have it all backwards. Of course, I, of course I know the seventh day is God's holy day of rest. I am the Lord of that day. Do you think I forgot? I know that. But what you need to remember is what came first. God, God created his children and his friends first. And once he had his friends, he said, now... I need a day in which to celebrate our intimate friendship and relationship together. Jesus says, look at gentlemen, please. The Sabbath was made for us and not us for the Sabbath. I'm Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the one who gave it. I should know. Key point. So key, in fact, that I wish you would jot it down on your study guide here. Yep, there's the space for it. Did you put the verses down? Mark chapter 2, verses 27 and 28. I want to make sure you get those verses. Mark 2, 27 and 28. There we go. Now let's go to the next line right after it. The Sabbath was made for us and not us for the Sabbath. Before it was a command, the Sabbath was a gift. Write in the word gift. You know what? Anybody here not, not like receiving gifts? I mean, come on, we all love gifts. Adult loves, adults love gifts, children love gifts, the whole human race. If somebody gives you something special and it's all wrapped up, you know, you go through the birthday, you go through the holidays, you, you rip that, uh, that, that wrapping off because you know that something inside of that has been specially, especially designated for you. You never, you never laugh off a gift. You know, um, I used to bring, uh, I learned this uh, actually from my dad, uh, growing up in Japan, every time Dad would go on a trip, he would promise us that when he got back, he would bring us an omiyage. And omiyage in, in Japanese means gift. And we, we would live for the return of Dad. Uh, we, even if he hadn't offered a gift, we would have looked forward to his coming back. But it just made it extra special to have, hey, Dad is going to have an omiyage, omiyage. So, so the word is into the culture of the Nelson home. And uh, I do it with my kids. In fact, I, no, I, I used to do it with my children. I promise him when, I, when Daddy comes back, he will have an omiyake, some, something sweet from an airport uh, candy stand or a little trinket. But what my daughter, who is now a teenager, 15, Kristen, what she really loved was when I would come back from a trip, and this is when she was younger, and I would give her one of these. And she'd say, oh, Dad, did you really? i said, yep, I brought you another one. Have you, you, know what, you, know, you know what these are? You get them. And I give them to her. And, you know, it's just a little shower cap, but, you know, you can wear it. You can wear it, man. You get it in a hotel. <laughs> I, just, I, I just came back from Miami. I had to be down there uh, for some college pastor meetings. And I brought one of these back. And Karen said, don't you dare. 
So, sorry, Chris. I just keep it right here if you need it. It's right. <laughs> you know, and what is it? This is cheapo. I mean, what kind of a dad would bring a shower cap? How embarrassing. We're talking about the father of the universe. He says, I have a gift for you. You are special to me. I have an omiyage for you. I have an omiyage. Jesus is very clear. Before it was a command. You know, and sometimes Sabbath keepers need to get this. Because Sabbath keepers are so excited that it was a command that they concentrate on the fact that it's a command. Rubbish. Start off with the truth. It was a gift first. It was a gift. You want something buoyant, cheerful, and positive to share? Share a gift. Nobody loves commands. Commands are a drag, but gifts are a delight. Share a gift. Uh, is this valuable? Is this, a, is this a valuable gift? Oh, mercy. Uh, key text number three. In fact, let's just write it right in here. Put it on the screen. We'll write it right in. Key text number three. The Sabbath is rest. That's our contagious reason number two. Exodus 20. Would you put in the fourth commandment? Verses 8 through 11. I'm not going to leave the fourth commandment out. Of course, God mentions it again. But it was a gift that he's trying to remind people, you forgot about my gift. The gift is important. So let's go back. I want you to look this one up as well. Second book of the Bible, Exodus chapter 20. I'm finding it right now. These are the Ten Commandments. Hey, the whole world knows the Ten Commandments. The whole nation says, hey, we don't have any problem with those ten. Got to do it. These are how society can live happily and peacefully amongst themselves. But let's not read the whole. Let's just go to the Fourth Commandment, verse 8. Remember... Yeah, I gave you this gift you forgot. It wasn't a gift just there at the very beginning. The gift goes on giving. It just keeps giving. You get the gift again. You'll get it every seventh day. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You really get to rest on this day. In fact, let me just tell you, you shall not do any work. You, as husband and wife. Your son or your daughter, that's family. Your male, female, slave, that would be the immediate the domestic at that time. Crew. Your livestock, give your cattle a rest. Oh, and by the way, even, how does he put it here, the alien resident in your towns. God, what, what are you so big on this? Ah, I want to tell you it's a gift. Verse 11, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth to see and all that is in them, but he rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. It, it. it was a gift. I gave this to you. Please don't forget. The gift goes on giving. You're going to come to it again. Receive it from me as a gift. You know, three times in Scripture, God is described as resting on the Sabbath. What, what is the problem? Even the creation story said he rested. Are, are you suggesting Moses, who wrote the book of Genesis, that the six days of creation were so grueling that God said, Oh, Give me a break. I, I, need to, I need to take a day off. Give me some rest. You know, folks, to even ask it, it it's, kind of sounds sacrilegious, doesn't it? That, that God has to rest at all? God never gets tired. Then why does He rest? Oh, and by the way, the brand new human friends He's created named Adam and Eve, the Sabbath was the first full day of their existence on this planet. And were they tired, worn out, and needing a day off? Nope. So the rest, while it is physical... There's, there's got to be something deeper here. The clue is in Genesis 2 and right here in Exodus 20. And that is, that is, we are shown what God values most. When God rests and He's not tired, we learn the truth that God has always loved to rest in a relationship. He just is, 
huge on friendships and relationships. I remind you, by the way, that before the rest of the created uh, intelligent universe was around, there was still God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they, they just reveled in each other's presence. They said, oh, this is great. This is great. But if you're a being who is questing for friends, you want more and more friends, you won't be content to leave a small friendship circle around you. You'll grow it. And so God creates the human race, His children and His friends. And the very first day after He's created them, He said, Oh, I've got to have a day where we will celebrate our friendship forever and ever. I'm going to give you the seventh day. The week could have been six days long. I've decided to make it seven. Every seventh day, I give you a relationship. Rest in my relationship. Is that beautiful or what? What is the problem with that? Yeah, glorious. No, we were created to be friends, created to be His children. He loves to rest in a relationship and so this gift of time. I want to make sure that we don't forget that. Under, under key text number three, there, there is one line. God loves to rest. Would you write it in, please? God loves to rest in a relationship, which is why He gave us the seventh day Sabbath. Beautiful, beautiful. I'm talking about cheerful, positive, and buoyant. Hey, you want to hear the invitation of the Lord of the Sabbath? The Jesus who gave it to us at the first, when he's, when he's Jesus now? Oh, go to the Gospel of... This would be key text number four. Go to the first Gospel in the New Testament, the Gospel of St. Matthew. And open your Bible, please, to Matthew chapter 11. Wow. This is the Lord of the Sabbath speaking. And listen to what... He says, what, what, what an appealing, uh, talking about uh, the right invitation for the third millennium. This has got to be it. Matthew chapter 11. Oh, by the way, would you write in those verses 28 and 29? I've been doing well at forgetting to remind you to do that. 28 and 29. Make sure you have those. Now let's read it together. Come to me. Red letter Bibles. This should be read. This is Jesus speaking. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens. And I'll give you what? Third millennial society on earth. I know how burned out you are. Come to me. And I, I will give you what you thirst and long for most. I will give you rest. Look at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You see, the rest is all centered in Christ. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Please get it. The rest always comes in the heart of a relationship. It's not just some, oh, okay, 24 hours up, stop. No, it's always wrapped up. With God, time and relationship are bound together. Come to me. Come to me. And then you rest. Wow. I mean, how, how could you not be cheerful about this? Let's fill it out. We're moving to the end here. Fill it out, please. The invitation of the Lord of the Sabbath is come to me and I will give you... Say it again. I'll give you rest. Say it again. Isn't rest just a restful word? Just I'll give you rest. And line number two, and that is why... This is my personal testimony now. That is why I am a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, because I have found in Jesus the rest of a relationship, a forever friendship with the Creator of the universe. That's why. That, that's a that, by the way, sir, that is the second reason why I am what I am. 
Number one is, oh, Jesus is Lord. Number two, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And I have found rest. In fact, I want you to get this in your notes. You know, Jesus is not only Lord of salvation. He is also Lord of the Sabbath. That's why one, one has to be salvation. Two then is the Sabbath. You always have one, two. Jesus is Lord of salvation. And Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. This is, this is a question. Tell me this. Why would you accept Him as Lord in one realm and not also embrace Him as Lord in the other? I mean, why say, Jesus, I'll cut you in half. You know, I know you're Lord of both. I only want you to be Lord of salvation. Or I know some people who say, I only want you to be Lord of Sabbath. I'll, I'll, I'll save myself. You, 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 I'll, I'll be faithful, though, with the, uh, with the Sabbath. Why would you want Him for one and refuse Him for the other? That, that, that is not right. That's not fair to Jesus. The Lord of salvation is the Lord of the Sabbath. All right, there's some subtext here. And I want to just run these by you very quickly as we move to summation. Subtext number one, the book of Hebrews. And these are all printed so that you don't have to even write a single thing down. But read this on the screen with me. Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest is still open, let us take care that none of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For in one place it speaks about the seventh day as follows, as Genesis 2, and God rested on the seventh day from all His works. This is in the New Testament, by the way. So then a Sabbath rest still remains for the people of God. For those who enter God's rest also cease from their labors as God did from His. The Sabbath is a symbol of resting in God's salvation. Look at this one. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. In returning and rest... You shall be saved. This rest is such good news. It's, it's salvation and rest are all tied together. In fact, when Jesus cried out those words in John 19, on the cross, in fact, there they are. When Jesus cried out the three words, it is finished. He is announcing to the universe, you know what? The plan of salvation has reached its apex Everything that needs to be done to save the human race is now done. I have paid the price for their sins. I have opened the door for their salvation. It is finished. When the Lord of salvation cries out, notice what happens next. Luke 23, verses 45, uh, 46 rather and 56. Having said this, Jesus breathed His last. And on the Sabbath, His followers, they rested according to the commandment. Because you see... On the cross, the Lord of salvation dies. And on the following, the subsequent Sabbath that came in just a few hours, the Lord of the Sabbath rests. He died as Lord of salvation and He rested. The gift He gave from the very beginning, He rested on the seventh day. Oh my. Do you know what that means, ladies and gentlemen? The Lord of salvation and the Lord of the Sabbath all wrapped up in Jesus Christ and in His hand, in His nail-scarred hands, for you and me. He says, I have rest. I want to give you rest. Give it up. You're trying to save it. You're trying to get over that. You're trying, to, you're trying to set yourself free. You can't do it. Come to me. Let me give you rest. I'll set you free. Whatever it is that holds you like a chain today, I'll set you free. I will. Come to me. And I'll give you rest. Every seventh day is a celebration of that rest. Well... I, I, I wanted to make sure you had this. I know you don't have this on your palm, Pilot. 
You could pull it out at a restaurant across the table. I have this classic Steps to Christ on my palm. But you don't need to. But I wanted you to have, I wanted you to have this quotation. And so let's read it together. Steps to Christ, page 70 and page 72. A life in Christ is a life of restfulness. There may be no ecstasy of feeling. I tell you, you just could feel the, the uh, adrenaline seeping out of you. There may be no ecstasy of feeling, but there should be an abiding, peaceful trust. Your hope is not in yourself. It is in Christ. Your weakness is united to His strength. Your ignorance to His wisdom. Your frailty to His enduring might. So, look, look. You are not to look to yourself, not to let the mind dwell on self, but look to Christ. Talk and think of Jesus. Let self be lost in Him. Rest in God. He is able to keep that which you have committed to Him. And if you will leave yourself in His nail-scarred hands, He will bring you off more than a conqueror through Him that has loved you. Rest in God. I see we left one line off on our study guide, so I want to make sure you have it. I'll put it on the screen here in just one split second. Even in death, Jesus rested. Would you put it down, please? Jesus rested on the seventh-day Sabbath as both Lord of salvation and Lord of the Sabbath. He rested so that we, in turn, might rest in Him by faith forevermore. Resting in Christ. There it is. That's what the Sabbath is all about. Resting in God. Now... Before I hit off, because we could stop the sermon right here, but there is, you need to be reminded, please, just one more point. You need to be reminded that there is somebody in this world, the enemy of the entire human race, who has worked tireless, tirelessly, because the Sabbath is a symbol of resting in Christ, he has worked tirelessly to make certain that nobody can experience the seventh-day Sabbath rest. He doesn't care which day he substitutes. He's come up with Friday for some. He's come up with Sunday for others. But I want you to think now logically and clearly as we wrap it up. Think what has happened when he's done that. Whenever the enemy of the human race has substituted his own rest day for God's seventh-day Sabbath, do you know what he's done? Brilliant strategy. He has destroyed the 24-hour rest. So that if you talk to somebody who rests on Friday, and there's a world religion that does, or you talk to somebody that rests on Sunday, and there are many people who do, and you ask them, how much do you rest on your day of rest? You know what you'll get? Two to four hours. Well, we go to church. I mean, the Super Bowl's on afterwards. I've got to stop by Kmart. No, nope, Kmart's gone now. I've got to stop by Walmart on the way home. You know, I've got to, I've got to mow the lawn. I mean, you understand? I've got to read the newspaper. I've got to know what's been happening. I got to. I got to call the office and leave something on voicemail because I forgot all about it. I got to call. You know, you know, but I mean, I play a round of golf. But I rested two to three hours. Is great service today. Do you see what's happened? When he cha- when he got rid of God's day of rest, he got rid of rest. And we have a world today that is absolutely frazzled. Don't blame the world. They don't know. It is the enemy of the human race who around the clock is trying to keep people from finding the rest in Christ that only the seventh-day Sabbath is a symbol of. I mean, come on. If If your employer came to you and he said, Hey, I want you to take... No, seriously. I want you to take 24 hours away from this place. 
I mean, 24 hours. No worries, as the Aussies say. No worries. No work. No annoying to-do lists. No noisy distractions. No deadlines. No committees. No chores. I'm going to pay you. I will pay you. I will pay you to take the 24 hours off. Would you look your employer in the face and say, you know what? I don't need it. There is not a man in his right mind or a woman who would not say, I'll take it. God has come to the human race and He says, that's what I give you. 24 hours, just you and me. Friendship celebration time. No distractions. Won't you please rest in me? Ladies and gentlemen, that is why contagious reason number two is so contagious. It's so buoyant. It's so cheerful. You never have to kind of kick your toe and say, oh, by the way, there's number two. (laughs) Jesus is Lord of salvation. And quick, I want to tell you, Jesus is Lord of my rest on His day. In fact, God was right. Before I sit down, we might as well put one more text up. It's, It's Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. And in fact, you'll notice in the study guide that... The reference is all there. I wanted to make sure you didn't miswrite this one. You never read this text before, but it's a beautiful text. Look at this. Stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths. Some people say, you know, this is old stuff. This is old stuff. I mean, going back to creation, give me something fresh. No, 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 no. The ancient paths. Watch this. Where the good way lies. Sometimes the best is in the past. It's ancient. And walk in it and then, note, you will then find rest for your souls. I know we live in the 21st century now and I know that the, this, 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 this upbeat, modern, cutting-edge generation says we can work 7, 24, 7, 365. You can't, you can't, you can't. In an ancient and good gift, God has brought to you rest. What was that sentence we began our study with today? Can we put it up again? You remember this? The value of time is established by the depth. Leave that sentence up, please. The value of time is established by the depth of the relationship. When you value your relationship with the God of the universe, when you value that relationship, there will be a commensurate valuing in your own heart and mind of His gift of that piece of time called the seventh-day Sabbath. Ladies and gentlemen, contagious reason number two, I don't know about you, but I find it extremely buoyant, cheerful, and winsome and attractive that God would offer me this kind of rest wrapped up in a friendship with him. And now may the Lord of the Sabbath bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace, both now and evermore. Amen.